Hello everyone. It's been so long and there's been a couple reasons for that. I started out this podcast really wanting to kind of document my own journey as an entrepreneur, especially in the beginning stages. And I wanted to encourage others who are in the same place and um, just give some inspiration because it is so hard starting a new business and not knowing what you're doing. And for months, I kind of tried doing all of it at once and barely saw any growth. So I'm coming on here because I have something launching very soon, a total rebrand. And honestly, It goes deeper than just a new color palette and amazing photos by Caitlin Ante. She's amazing. If you ever need a brand photographer, she's in the Cleveland area. Thank you, Caitlin. You just rocked it. I had so much fun on this shoot. But this shoot, to me, represents the rebrand of myself. The past couple months, I've been working with a business coach, um, Courtney. Vanetta, and she is Cleveland-based, a success and mindset coach. Um, Honestly, this woman has such power. She walks with power, she speaks with power, and she has literally helped me so many, so many times and in so many ways. I truly feel that she was meant to walk into my life. Actually, I went to a networking event uh, for women and it was the last one before Corona hit. I remember feeling this resistance of, oh, I don't really want to go. I don't really want to talk to people right now. I'm just exhausted. But I got my butt up and I went. And that's where I met her and other amazing women. And from then on, everything has changed. I've seen triple the growth in my business and in just a couple weeks of working with her obviously I have put in so much of myself and with coaching any type of coaching you must be ready to go all in it requires so much of yourself it requires you to really dig deep and answer questions and get to know yourself and decondition all of the old things that you have been conditioned to believe or the person that you've been conditioned to be. And so this podcast right now is basically my story before I get ready to launch this new rebrand. And I really hope you'll tune in and join along because there are some difficult things and pain and redemption honestly um I have walked through fire time and time again through most of my life and at 24 I can proudly say that I have become a woman that I've always dreamed I would be but never thought I could um my story from the youngest age ever starts with me believing that I'm broken and constantly trying to answer the question 
of am I loved and can someone love me the way that I am? This obviously has its own repercussions because you start to seek out love in all of the different places and you start to continue to tell your story of the story of your life that I'm broken and no one can love me and this leads you to do things that ultimately prove that to yourself over and over and over. So I'm not going to get too deep um, into like middle school and high school. So let's just start with high school. After I graduated, I decided it was time for me to step outside the norm that was always me. I always went my own path. I wasn't ready for um, the typical college journey or path. I decided I wanted to do yoga teacher training. Um, I found yoga through a series of events, actually. I um, had a really bad experience involving, <laughs> I'm going to say it, marijuana And from then on, I had constant panic attacks. It really messed me up. And through that, I found yoga, actually through an English class. It was one of my favorite English classes, um, favorite professors. And that's where I started to learn about yoga and its benefits for anxiety and panic attacks. So moving forward, I found so much joy in it, and I really enjoyed it. I loved Yoga Girl, and I still do. I just admired her, and I was like, I want to travel the world and teach yoga. This is my new dream. Um, I want to help people holistically and all of these things, so I took my own path. I signed up for 200 hours of intensive yoga training that summer after I graduated from high school, and um, you know, I just met amazing people, I learned so much about myself. I felt that I was also growing closer to God. And um, during that time, a lot of anger started creeping up. Um, My panic attacks went away, actually. I was really shocked um, and really happy because they no longer controlled my life. Um, Though I still had, I guess I would say, this, this feeling or this brooding feeling of it's gonna come back and um I think it just kind of messes you up for a while before you really start to get over it and if you have ever like had panic attacks you know what this is like um and I'm so sorry that you have to go through that it's horrendous um so anyways through that experience um I started to experience a lot of anger that I've never had before. I think all of the things I was learning was bringing up a lot of emotions. Obviously, whenever you get the body involved and you start to connect the body with the mind, um, they communicate and they tell you of what's really going on. I had my first um, physical break out on my body. Um, I broke out in rashes one day and it was actually psoriasis so I didn't really know but that was kind of like a foreshadowing of how all of the emotions I had 
held onto all of my life were starting to leak out and starting to really affect my body. Um, fast forward, I got my teacher training certificate. It was amazing. And I was also going to community college at the time for a year. I worked at a yoga studio and I was still living with my parents. I was still very angry. I, I felt so lonely as my friends had gone off to school, to college, and my boyfriend Noah, now my husband at the time, was away at Ohio University. So I ultimately just felt like the story was being proven to me over and over again. Um, you don't belong anywhere. You're not loved. You're too broken. And you're the lone wolf (laughs) that doesn't know where she's going. Um, So that year, I realized the anger was coming up because of my relationship with my father. Um, I will not get into that too deeply, but yes, we all have probably broken families at some point in our lives and it really does affect you especially if there's alcoholism involved and drugs or whatever um, or even divorce or all of that can really affect a person and the relationship that you have with the people who raised you so it created a lot of anger a lot of just resentment Um, and so I eventually decided okay I want to go to college too I want to go to a four-year university I want to get away I just want to be with Noah I want to make new friends um and that winter as I was getting ready to hear back about college um applications I found myself at a church um up until this point I was raised eastern orthodox and I really believed that like I had a relationship with God, but it was very, like, superficial, so I um, actually got invited by Noah's mom, and I went one day by myself, um, which was very normal for me to do, and it was the most transformational moment. I had felt that I had finally found some peace and love, like, the love that I had felt in that room with the music, with the people surrounding me, it was just heavenly. And so that kind of began my relationship with God and my faith journey. Um, From then on, I prayed and prayed to constantly just like surrender. I was terrified, as would anyone be who doesn't know much about anything or you're just starting to get to know someone you're terrified to trust this person maybe because of your fears or because of your hurt from the past so I decided to go all in and I I fully surrendered my life after praying and um I went to college I actually got accepted to a high university I followed Noah there because long distance sucked and I really loved him um throughout that time in college I got involved with a community um of believers because I just really wanted to grow you know I indulged in the normal party scene and I did all those things my first semester and I just got really tired of it very quick it felt very super superficial and shallow and like 
I just wanted more. I wanted more for myself and my life. And I knew that I had started this relationship with God, but I didn't know how to grow in it. So, yes, I got involved with a Bible study of of girls, and I felt like I had found a community. And I still have a couple of those friends now, after college. Um, And so this community was made up of a lot of college students, mostly led by college students. We had staff, and um, every week we would meet up and do worship and a little short sermon, um, and we would go out and do different things on campus, like share the gospel and all of that stuff, which you may or may not be for, and that's okay. I totally understand that. At the time, I was a new Christian, so I fell for all of it. I was like, yes, I want to do it all. Let me share the gospel with everyone. And I got pretty annoying and obnoxious very quick, which I now look back and I feel bad about. But it was just like this inundation of um, knowledge and information that I was getting from other people who are the same age. And so I ended up getting rid of friends who weren't Christians. I ended up stopped doing, like, I stopped listening to music that wasn't Christian. I started to have this mentality of the world that it was evil, that it was bad, that Satan was always trying to beat me up and make me go astray. And so, of course, I had passion and I was on fire for God and I felt very active in this community. Um, but at the same time, I was also dealing with a lot of emotional issues that I didn't know how to process at the time. Um, especially looking through the lens of faith, you start to believe that the reason you are experiencing these things is because of sin or because of something you've done. So, you know, fast forward into like sophomore year, um, that summer was one of the hardest summers for me when Noah and I had broken up. I went on a mission trip to India and I also did another travel experience to Romania where I was born. So that whole summer was just honestly, graciously a shit show. Um, and moving into my junior junior year, I started to live with two friends. Um, that is when I started to experience very bad physical symptoms. I was the most depressed I had ever been. I um, felt lost and hopeless and my heart was broken because Noah and I were no longer together. And at that point we were together for about four or five years. Um, So I just felt at a loss and I started to experience physical pain in my body. Um, If you're listening to this and you've come this far, thank you so much. I really, really love you. (laughs) Um, This has been a story I've been wanting to tell for a long time, but I haven't had the guts to do it. Um, So anyways, that year went on and I slowly started to separate myself from my community because I felt at a disadvantage. I felt unworthy and like I was not useful anymore if you have ever experienced depression um 
or even just physical pain or fatigue, you know that you have no interest in doing much of anything but crying or just sleeping or doing anything to comfort yourself like food or alcohol so I started to really like remove myself from the community because first of all I had felt that everyone around me was very happy and positive and go lucky and I felt like I was a really bad Christian because I had no joy, I had no happiness, I was depressed, I was angry, I was hurt, and I just felt horrible about myself. Um, And I think it just sucked that this had to happen, but I felt like I was removed from the community as well because I wasn't useful anymore in a spiritual sense to do evangelism and discipleship and be a part of the movement. So, once again, it confirmed this story that I told myself. That you're an outcast, you don't belong anywhere, you can't be loved by anyone, you are too broken to be fixed. Okay, so it's really hard. So that year, um, pretty much the same thing. I tried to be involved, but at the same time, I just really didn't feel like I was a part of it. Um, and, um, that summer of my junior year, Noah and I got back together, um, and at that point, he had given his life to God as well, which was one of my biggest prayers for years. I, um, actually, when I gave my life to God, he actually realized he was an atheist, so, um, that was part of the reason why we broke up so many times because we just weren't aligned and we didn't have similar beliefs or values at that point but I really loved him and I really just wanted him to have that relationship with God that I had so God answered many of my prayers in that regard and he had come through for us Um, he really transformed Noah during that time in college and um that summer I didn't see what was coming but um the whole year I was trying to find answers for why I was feeling so sick I had gained weight more than ever I really just had depression and anxiety mixed together it was like the perfect storm my physical pain and my um side and my ovaries was like really painful Um, I had a lot of like hormonal issues and it was affecting every area of my life. I don't think I had ever felt that angry and I didn't even know why. Um, So one day I was um, just waiting for my blood results because I did a yearly checkup. And that morning as I spent time with God, just like really really just trying to imagine more for myself um I actually ended up receiving a word that said he does not fear when bad news comes he is firm trusting in the Lord and I was like oh okay this is great um okay let me just try to apply this and within a couple hours I received a phone call and my blood results and I was told and diagnosed with Hashimoto's which is an autoimmune disease that affects 
every part of your body, but mostly your immune system attacks your thyroid. I'm not going to get too deep into that. If you want to look it up, that's great. But um, at that point, my body was not producing enough thyroid hormone, which is kind of like the gas pedal of the car. Um, It gets everything going. It affects everything from digestion to your brain to your heart to your hormones to your ovaries. Everything was basically slowing down and... um, that's why I had felt like a zombie. So I was heartbroken and I was told that this was something I would have for the rest of my life and that I'd have to take a pill, medication, thyroid hormone for the rest of my life. Um, I just couldn't believe that my life had come to this point and once again confirmed that story for me. So I eventually... um, met an amazing friend and um, she her name was Nina she was actually studying in America she came from Germany and she was doing her I think it was her master's program at the moment I met her through a series of events and we became so tight like I just loved her and we did fun things together and she actually had the same condition that I had and God really used her in my life at that point to instill in me hope and she um, basically helped me to find better eating patterns for myself with this condition and she was just such a light for me during that time and Nina if you're listening love you girl and I miss you a lot. I hope you'll come to Cleveland soon. Um, so yes, that summer I continued to take this medication, um, but my blood levels were so bad. Like, it was, it surpassed the the minimum number that it should have been, and I felt dead. I'm not kidding. Like I walked around like a zombie, and felt like I got hit by a truck every single morning. I got up. It was horrendous and, you know, just the anxiety that was coming up and the depression was so real. I remember just sitting in bed for hours sobbing and uncontrollably, like I could not stop it and I did not know why. I felt crazy and um, so I had to go back to college at this point. This was the fall, and I did not know how I was going to do it. Um, I found that I had so much mental fog that I couldn't focus in classes anymore. I couldn't really remember things. I was slow to speak. I really just felt like crap. And trying to go back to the same community of believers was really difficult, too, because I didn't feel like I felt I didn't feel like I fit the norm of what a Christian should look like or be like and people you know I was looking for answers at this point this was I think junior year or senior year I started to search for answers of why why am I sick why do I have this why am I suffering And at this point, my relationship with God was still, like, very much alive. Like, I clung to him, and 
I trusted him to help me through this and overcome um but it was very hard and so I started to do compulsions around my faith um I started to ask for reassurance towards the people in my community that I trusted and I remember it was very agonizing um my anxiety was driving me to seek out reassurance in the wrong places so I started to question my faith I started to ask people if they thought God was punishing me if if God loved me and um if whatever like is it my sin I don't know what what do I do I've been praying and I would be on my knees desperately praying for relief um sometimes you know I would have intrusive thoughts and I was told and believed that it was the devil Obviously, now I know that it was not the devil, um, but it was a mental illness. So, for the longest time, um, I was constantly told lies about where I was in my conditions and in my relationship with God, and it really started to misconstrue the faith that God actually wanted me to have an experience. It started to become very legalistic. I would pray for hours. I would read the Bible for hours every day. And if I didn't, I felt enormous guilt. I woke up each day with a pit of guilt in my stomach. I constantly confessed my sin And this was not healthy anymore, but I thought this was how it was to have faith. And I just didn't know what to do anymore. There were several people in my life at the time, and I still have memories of conversations I've had, where I walked away feeling like I was to blame and that it was my sin or my lack of faith and that God was mad at me. I walked away feeling like God was punishing me for something that I had done, but I didn't know what it was. I felt like my faith was so small because God could not heal me and that it was my fault. I started to believe all of these things, and so the compulsions began to build and build. I didn't do anything enjoyable i gave up all enjoyment creativity anything that the world deems good and enjoyable and i felt like i had to lose myself and take up my cross in order to please god so at this point you know cue the violins it was a really sad time It was a horrible time. I just felt like an outcast and the worst Christian. I felt like God had left me to die and the people that were supposed to help and encourage and support, I had felt like they had let me down and given me answers that were superficial And what I really needed was for someone to see me and validate me and love me. This happens in the Bible, too, with Job. Um, 
he had lost all of his belongings, his home, and his seven children. And then he ends up becoming sick. He has boils all over his body. And his three friends come to him and they visit him. And what they did right was that they stuck with him in silence for a few days and just mourned with him. But what they did wrong was that they started to come to conclusions and assumptions about Job's faith and character that were very wrong. And they started to blame him for his suffering. You can read that for yourself, but in the end, God was actually very mad at his friends because they were saying lies about him and about Job. So, I say this to say that I know now that we as humans, especially as Christians, do not always know how to respond to people in suffering especially when it's chronic illness, especially when it's mental illness. We try to see things through solely spiritual lens and that can actually end up doing a lot of damage, more damage than anything else. You see, I walked around thinking that my conditions were a spiritual problem and that I was destined to go to hell. Um, and that was unhealthy so fast forward there's a bunch of stuff that happened through that year I started to get better and I started to get worse and it was constantly like up and down and up and down my blood lab levels were actually like a roller coaster um and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for healing and I prayed and I prayed for release from the devil And I could not understand why God would not let go of me. Why would the devil constantly attack me and harass me? And that's what I had been told, that it was the devil, that it was a spiritual attack. So what was I to do? I cried and I cried and I begged for relief. At this point, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry if you have had to go through this as well. It is not okay. And you are not the problem. You are not to blame for your chronic illness or your mental illness. And at this point, if you have experienced this type of treatment, whether it was intended or not, I'm really sorry and I see you and I hear you and I know how hard it is. So... Now it was senior year, I graduated, Noah and I both graduated, and we were set to get married. We got engaged, and we were getting ready to move to London that summer. Noah was going to do his master's, and I had given up my dream of becoming a missionary, actually. I really wanted to move overseas and become a missionary. I got denied with my application. This is something that I still... um, cannot believe happened but part of the application process was to explain your sexual history I of course was honest because I knew that I had overcome that I knew that where I was didn't didn't determine what who I was and I was honest and explicit and I didn't think that would hinder me 
but it did, and I got denied. I'm sure there were other various reasons, like I had debt, but I felt so disappointed because I knew that other people had gotten accepted to the same position, but they lied and they did not share the truth that they too had experienced that or still were struggling with whatever. So I genuinely did not understand what God had for me anymore. I just wanted to be used by him. I just wanted to have a purpose. I wanted to please him and I wanted to be a missionary. I thought that was the only thing I could ever do and that's what I had been taught in this organization that the only thing we are really meant to do is to be a missionary overseas or other places and people were prided on if they had gone to all missions um, every summer if they gave up their internships if they gave up time with their family if they ended up doing more spiritual things instead of schoolwork, they were prided and they were seen as honorable in this community. Which I, quite frankly, no longer believe or assign to myself. Um, But that's what I thought. I, you know, I had to go share the gospel with the whole world. And if I didn't, then I was a lesser Christian, almost like a on a level of hierarchy, I was, I was under them, under the super spiritual people. Look, I was sick, I got denied from being a missionary, and blah blah blah, like, I'm not worthy, you know, that's how it kind of ended up being. So, Noah and I that summer were getting ready to get married, and I had been praying for healing up until this point. I'd been praying for God to give me a new name. And I just wanted to be transformed. I was just tired of all of this. So one day in the summer, in the dead of night, I felt this urge to pray and to just talk to God. So I sat up and just started talking. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere... I heard God say, Grace, your name is Grace. It really struck me and it took me off guard because I didn't understand what that meant. Why Grace? Why not joy or faith? You know, (laughs) who am I to question the name that God gives us? But I was like, wow. And I, I just got goosebumps in that moment because I knew that wasn't my thought. It was like, It interjected any thoughts that I had. So I sat in it for a while and like just let it go with time. I was like, okay, I don't really know what that means, but that's cool. And so Noah and I got married. We eventually moved to London. And at that point, I had reached an all-time low. My physical symptoms were really bad because uh, we just moved. There was a lot of stress with the wedding and all of the things at this point we were living in a little room um and didn't have our own place and i didn't have a job and noah was starting to go to school making no money we were living off of our wedding funds which was a godsend but i started to feel the pressure to find a job 
and I really did not find enjoyment or fulfillment in anything anymore. So I started to search and search and try to do my resume, but I felt like I had lost so much time in my life that I had wasted so much time because of my suffering, because I was so consumed with just my suffering and my identity was in my conditions. And I remember God's like reminding me that he was going to redeem the time And if you're in this place too, I want you to know that no matter how much time you think you've lost because of a season of suffering or mental illness or chronic illness or because of whatever, that you are okay and that it's never too late and that God will redeem the time for you. So please keep holding on. So anyways, um, I ended up finding a job at um, a cafe, a French cafe. It was amazing. I loved it there. Um, it was just a really good time of my life to be at this cafe. No pressures, just a creative space for me. And I met amazing friends. I still talk to some. And it was just really cool learning how to make coffee and serving cakes. And at that time, I had a camera. I started using my camera and I loved it. I never knew how to have, like, how to use it. I had it for eight years and it was just collecting dust. But I was like, you know what? Let me just try to learn. So I taught myself on YouTube. I practiced with Noah. And I eventually took pictures of the cakes in this cafe. Everyone loved my work. And I was quite shocked. And that was when I started to really find myself creatively. I started to dream again. I started to envision a new future. I started to have hope. And being in London was so transformational because I was away from all of the people and all of the things that had caused me pain. And I was finally able to deal with it in a safe space. So, you know, at this point, I had been trusting God to heal me. I was envisioning this physical healing, like I would go to the doctor and they would say, you're healed, there's no more antibodies attacking your body, this is so weird. I would constantly have these fantasies of, wow, you're cured, it's a miracle, and like, that is how I envisioned this healing that God had promised. But instead, what happened next was kind of mind-blowing and disheartening, um, Throughout this time, my mental health was really bad, and I reached out to a friend who had been speaking to a therapist. Um, She had been formally diagnosed with OCD and had been telling me about her experience all year, and we would have deep conversations, and I felt like I related to her on so many levels. So I asked for this contact, and I started doing Skype calls with um, this woman, she the first call asked me okay tell me what's going on tell me what you're thinking what you're feeling so I did I just let it all out and then she said this you have OCD and I'm like what what is that I how do I have OCD I don't wash my hands obsessively I don't do any of that she's like These are all thoughts attributed to OCD and anxiety. And 
blah 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 she started explaining how that worked in your mind and how it was just an imbalance and all of these things and it kind of blew my mind so I got off that phone call and I started to research OCD I came to this website this British website about OCD and I realized there were so many different categories of OCD there's another one just called purely obsessional so it's pure O where you do not really have the physical um, compulsions like washing your hands or checking the doorknob or checking other things but you kind of have these mental compulsions that people cannot see and so this creates a lot of um, just anxiety and guilt and shame Um, and you know I saw these categories and I was shocked. The first one that stood out to me was scrupulosity. So I clicked on it and I listened to this story of a woman who had been living with scrupulosity, which is religious OCD, for most of her life. And it stemmed to other parts of her life like relationships and health OCD and harm OCD and all of these different things. But what stood out to me was how she explained the type of faith that she had with OCD. I remember listening to this this 40 minutes and after I just broke down crying. It was like these, these shadows were lifted off of me and I could finally see the truth. You see, up until this point, I had deemed myself unworthy and bad and I was ashamed and I had felt God was punishing me when I heard this woman I realized that this was not God that this was the bully OCD and all of this time God loved me enough to show me the truth and to remind me that I am grace, that my name is grace and he fought for me and he showed me a new way. It was grace in itself. And of course, I was disappointed that I had this new diagnosis and I got upset and angry and I was like, God, why do I have another diagnosis? Why do I have another problem that I can't solve? Why am I so broken? You promised healing and instead I now have another diagnosis. So that whole year was a time of deconditioning and I had another word from God because I had been so angry that all of these lies were inside of me and manifesting in so many ways and that it had become such a catastrophic just suffering for me. I believed so many lies and a big part of it was yes from my past and yes how I was raised and things I made up about myself but it was also lies from the church and I didn't know how to fight anymore I didn't know what was true and oftentimes with faith we want to be certain of every single thing and so going through therapy was one of the hardest things I've ever ever had to walk through 
it required so much energy and courage and I was afraid I was so afraid so I had to go through exposure therapy where I literally I just it was the hardest thing guys Exposure therapy is where you rate your fears and your compulsions and your different anxieties on a scale of 1 to 10, and you try to bring the number down. So one of mine, just an example, regarding religious OCD was, I need to read my Bible every day, and if I don't, God will be mad at me, and I'm going to be punished. So the hardest thing, like for me, that was on a scale of 1, like 9 on a 9 scale and I had to bring that down to a six where it was manageable so my homework was to not even read the bible for a few days this sounds crazy to some people but to me it was like life or death because everything was a threat living with anxiety and OCD everything is a threat and you feel like you're going to die it's the fight or flight and i remember just like i started doing exposures around my faith i started listening to rap music because i was terrified that this was evil and it was going to take me away from my faith but instead i found freedom and i started to hear god in a new way i found rest in my mind And I started to question the ways that I had been taught to do and live out my faith. I no longer felt the need to have certainty. And when I did, I had to deal with living in uncertainty. I had to live in this constant state of I'm afraid, but I'm going to choose courage and to trust that God will deal with with me that if I am on the wrong path, he will bring me back. If I'm going in the wrong direction, he will bring me back. I started to have to trust and trust and trust that God was not mad at me. And living in this uncertainty that if I had upset God, that okay, I upset God and he will let me know. It was a very unhealthy thing that I had to get out of. Um, so this brought up a lot of resentment and anger towards the church. And after having been diagnosed with OCD and anxiety, the church we were at started to really trigger me because for a series of sermons, we were talking about mental illness. And I don't know why this pastor was so gung-ho about talking about anxiety, but it was a very toxic thing for me because he was attributing mental illness to sin and lack of faith or lack of spirituality or your relationship with God and I could no longer listen to these things and every single time I went to church I felt like I was going to scream or cry and it no longer made sense to me so I felt alone and once again believe the storyline that I don't belong anywhere and I just am not loved the way that I am 
I hated myself, but during this time in London, I learned to love me. I learned to love me despite my chronic illness, despite my mental illness, and it was hard. But I learned to forgive those who hurt me, who didn't even do it spitefully, but I know they had good intentions, however they were wrong. And I entrusted myself to them, and I, I chose to receive input and I take responsibility for that but I wanted answers and I wanted certainty and that was a part of my OCD you see with anxiety and OCD you will have this fear for example I feel like this friend is mad at me for something I said so for some people this will just go away and they'll disregard it Or, you know, okay, I think I forgot to lock the door. For some people, it'll just be like, okay, it's fine. I'm just going to go check it and that's it. For some people, they'll have an intrusive thought, like a sexual thought about someone. And then, you know, they'll be like, oh, that's a weird thought. But whatever, I'm just going to move on. But for people with OCD, they will have a thought and immediately cast judgment on it and make it mean something that it's not about their character about their faith about their value as a person and they'll start to spew out these things in their head like i must be of the devil i must be sinful i must be a bitch i must be um just a horrible person you'll start to have these characteristics around yourself based off a thought or something So the anxiety drives you to seek reassurance in all of the ways. With health anxiety, it might be Googling things all the time to make sure your symptoms are, like, not something detrimental. Um, Or if you are in a relationship, it affects your marriage and your relationships with um, a partner or friends. You'll start to seek reassurance that they're not mad at you, that they actually love you, that you know they want to be with you and you won't believe the answer they tell you but when they tell you the peace will come for a little bit and it'll get worse and worse and it'll drive you to do more and more more compulsions so this is what was happening with my faith i didn't feel that it was ever enough that i had still somehow had some dirt or something that i needed to resolve Um, So constantly Googling, constantly listening to religious sermons, constantly reading the Bible and commentaries and questioning what everything meant. And I couldn't read the Bible anymore in a healthy way because everything I had read, I had felt like it was it was accusing me of something I had done wrong. I was reading it through such a, a twisted lens. So that year leading into the spring i wasn't really getting better i mean i was learning tools but i knew it was time for something else so my therapist recommended medication guys this was a fear of mine is like medication for me was like a no-no because i had felt like as a christian if i take medication that i'm not trusting god that i'm somehow trusting in other things instead of him well god was constantly just bringing these things up for me and showing me otherwise and it was so humbling and i knew that god wanted me to get better so i got on medication and i experienced such 
peace and rest. There was silence in my mind and I couldn't believe what I had missed out on for all of those years. My creativity started to flourish because I finally had room for dreams and good things and creativity instead of anxiety and rumination and condemnation and guilt. I started to love myself. I started to love God and I started to be loved by God. (sighs) If you're here, thank you. And at this point, I started to learn how to use my camera more and more. And I started doing photo shoots. And I really fell in love with creativity. I battled thoughts that, you know, I was less of a Christian if I did a creative business or if I wanted to start my own thing. And I had to come to terms with, you know, that's okay. God doesn't want me to do that. He wants me here. Um, so basically, if I could summarize the past year and where I'm at now is a constant pushing the limit and then proving to myself that I'm still loved if I've pushed quote unquote limit of my OCD or of the church. I have had to question so much. And I really feel for people who have a mental illness and are not taken seriously and for people who have chronic illness and aren't taken seriously, especially as Christians. Um, I will be doing another podcast more in depth, but this is just an overview and I know it's almost an hour long, but it just needed to be shared. I needed to get it out there so that I could move forward with this new launch And I want people to know where I've come from because my life has not been perfect. But I stand here today, a woman of courage and freedom and healing that I've never experienced and the healing that God had promised me all along. I wanted physical healing, but instead he gave me emotional and mental healing. And yes, I still have my conditions. Yes, I still take medication. I still go to therapy from time to time. I have tools now. And I, I do a lot of things. And I I think in ways that may not be deemed spiritual enough. Or may not fit the box of the Christian mold. But I don't think that is your responsibility or others for us to judge. Because we do not really know where that person has come from. God has peeled back so many layers and has done so much in me and revealed so much and I can attest to that, that it was God all along leading me to freedom and abundant life that I had wanted. And so I know it's possible for you wherever you're at, but it requires courage and stepping into the unknown and stepping into uncertainty and God will catch you. He has spoken to me in such clear ways, and I thought I had lost him, but instead, I've just gained a new perspective of what he really is like, and who I really am, and so freedom is possible. Healing is possible for you. I'm not broken, and you aren't either. We can be made whole, and we are 
I pray and hope that you will find this joy and this creativity and this new purpose and that you will let God work in your heart. And I have this last thing, this promise. Um, Jesus is talking and he says, I will uproot all of the lies my father has not planted. I love that imagery and I want to share that with you. That any lies and seeds that were planted all of your life, whether from growing up, family, friends, whether from yourself or from the church, that God will uproot them. He will uproot them and then you will have fresh soil to begin planting the new and you will become a new person. You will have new leaves and new seeds that will flourish and become a beautiful garden and everyone will come and see and be amazed and praise God and you will have fruit that just bears more fruit and people will come and enjoy it. And this is my story and I really hope that this has been eye-opening or comforting or anything. I invite you to consider things that I've shared with an open heart and I know that anyone could take my story and make it mean whatever they want but my position is that I wanted to share because I had felt led to and that is my job and I have done it so tune in for another podcast on more about um, the church and my journey through that with OCD and anxiety and where I am now. Thank you so much for listening and just know that you can do amazing things and God will do a miracle through you. You are loved, you are valued, you are seen. Thank you.